Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Andrew Davidson, SVP and Chief Insights Officer for Mintel Compare Media, based in New York. And on today's podcast, we're talking about how to engage consumers with digital marketing. Did you know that the first internet banner ad reportedly ran 25 years ago? Uh, Telco giant AT&T ran a banner ad on the website Hotwired back in 1994. Uh, Don't go and Google Hotwired, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, And according to the Atlantic magazine, about 44% of those who saw the ad actually went ahead and clicked on the ad. So those are engagement rates that marketers can really only dream of uh, today. So here to discuss the state of all things digital, we have our experts, Laura Zima and Buddy Lowe in Chicago, and Rebecca McGraw in London. Welcome to the pod. Hello. Hello. Well, great. Great to have you. And now, before we get started, let's please, if you could just please introduce yourselves, uh, give us a little bit about your background, your journey, not your journey into work today, but your, your name, your title, how long you've been at Mintel, and how long you've been tracking your industry. Hi, my name is Laura Ziemer. I'm the Director of Digital Insights for Compromedia Omni, and I've been working in digital advertising and brand strategy for the last 10 years. My name is Buddy Lowe. I'm the Senior Technology and Consumer Electronics Analyst here at Mintel. I've been at Mintel now for a little over around three and a half years, actually. Hi, I'm Rebecca McGrath. I'm Mintel Senior Media Analyst, and I've been at Mintel for around six years now, focused uh, entirely on media. Excellent. So we've got a great uh, roster to talk about all th- every, everything digital. So like, let's start by you know, setting the stage before we get into engagement with digital marketing. Um, so where, where are we when it comes to digital advertising in 2019? Uh, buddy, could you give us a, you know, the state of digital, not, not quite the state of the union, but the state of digital for uh, digital advertising? Yeah, um, for the U.S., it's a huge market already. Uh, uh, Mintel has a market size for digital advertising at $125 billion. Um, and we have a forecast uh, that, you know, at the high end of things could double that at $252 billion by 2024. Um, we, within our middle-of-the-range forecast, we have growth to about $200 billion, which is still extremely aggressive growth within the uh, within the category. And, um, you know, we know that marketers have to go to where people are and people's, uh, everyone's activity is increasingly digital. And so we forecast just continued growth and strength in there. And that, and that growth will be driven primarily through uh, paid search, but also digital video as well. We forecast digital video to have uh, significant growth uh, within the next five years. So it's huge and it's growing. Mm-hmm. And um, so what are some of the key milestones that got, got us to where we are today? I would definitely say paid search is one of the biggest drivers of, uh, of the digital advertising space. Uh, you know, giants like Google that have monetized their, their digital uh, platforms, their search engines, uh, really bringing consumers uh, the information they want and uh, bringing advertisers and brands, consumers looking, uh, connecting advertisers and brands to the consumers searching for the products and services they're looking for. Um, and that's been a huge driver in, in growth and digital ad spend. And I would point to the sort of the other one, 
uh, key sort of areas is mobile advertising. And in, in the UK, actually, uh, for the first time, uh, mobile uh, digital advertising overtook, um, or like uh, represented over half of the market. Mm-hmm. So it just shows everything is obviously now being geared towards the smartphone. That's a that's definitely huge. And I think, you know, something that we're starting to really take into account for our clients is uh, cross device behavior. So you're on your mobile phone while you're watching TV, you're on your phone while you're shopping online. So how are you even using multiple devices at the same time and potentially being exposed to multiple ads in multiple digital channels at the same time? So I'm glad, I'm glad none of you didn't mention the, the pop-up ad, my, <laughs> my favorite. Uh, he says uh, sarcastically, or uh, Pokemon Go, that was another, another big uh, milestone. So, those, so we talk about so multi-device, mobile, um, and paid search, like obviously three major milestones on this like, journey towards you know, his huge digital advertising industry. So it's obviously changed a lot, many different developments along the way. I mean, sort of laugh and joke about things like pop-up ads and, and banner ads. But of course, back in the day, they were like true, true, true innovations. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue to see that innovation um, in this industry. So let's now talk about engagement then. So what are the issues facing advertisers when it comes to engagement? It's such a challenging landscape right now, and it can be very overwhelming. So there's a couple of big things that um, are really top of mind for marketers. So a big one is creative blindness. So we talked about AT&T really standing out 25 years ago with this banner ad. Ads are everywhere now. You have the display ads, pre-roll video, paid search, social media, and there's just this general awareness and constant exposure. So it's sometimes consumers aren't even processing the creative that they're seeing in this channel. And I think previously when advertisers consider how they're measuring these channels, everything was about click-through. Are they clicking through to the site to buy, to apply for something? And what's happening now is Google has introduced this concept of multi-touch attribution where you're really considering how does exposure to this ad um, drive a consumer's decision or engagement. So you see consumers just being so much more selective mm-hmm. and critical about the type of ads that they want to engage with. Yeah, yeah I, I would, uh, supporting that, our market research shows that um, you know, 40% of consumers uh, among the surveyed options that we, that we surveyed uh, use two or more methods to avoid ads actively online. So the, there's, there's kind of a cat and mouse game going on right now between advertisers and consumers, uh, especially our, um, power users within, within the digital space. Those who are most active in the digital space are the most active um, kind of avoiders in, in the market. Yeah, and uh, of course, sort of uh, in Europe right now, one of the the big issues facing advertisers is GDPR, um, which is, uh, for those that don't know, is sort of uh, a regulation about taking, uh, sort of giving consumers more control over their data. Now, obviously, we've seen how uh, data is being used by advertisers sort of in a fairly free-for-all way so far. And uh, now we're going to see a sort of, I think, a lot more regulatory pressure across the world and uh, consumer sort of savvy awareness of how their data is being used to track them. And that's going to have to lead to sort of advertising looking, uh, advertisers looking at sort of slightly more different methods of getting their adverts to the right consumers. Mm. Let's go back to kind of to Buddy then, like, so what are consumers actually really doing then to avoid these 
Yeah. Oh, we see actually uh, a third of consumers are are using uh, ad avoiding uh, ad blocking software. Um, and and I, I mean, what we actually saw is that there's not as big of a dramatic shift in terms of age among consumers who are using ad blocking software. You'd think um, younger consumers, more tech savvy consumers, would be the most uh, biggest users of it. But there isn't that big of a discrepancy. Um, other things that we're seeing are your standard, you know, deleting cookies, um, you know, basically removing the type of trackable information that uh, consumer brands and advertisers can collect on the on themselves. And uh, they're really going out of their way to block that uh, block advertisers from getting that info. So a third, I mean, a third of consumers, I mean, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, and it's a big problem for uh, the industry. In fact, um, I just saw an article recently about um, a a new pro uh, software coming out that may block ads on audio streaming uh, sites and services, which um, you know, which will also put a dent in you know services like Spotify or um, SoundCloud or uh, you know general podcasts or things like that. I think it just shows consumers really are like they've become very savvy about this now. They they uh, are aware of um, so it just means you really do have to earn their attention. Like I said so you know you can't just demand it now. People will find a way to get around that, um, mm. and so that's you know as we're saying it's about how does an advertiser respond and actually get people to sort of voluntarily uh, to some extent get uh, watch advertising or engage with advertising. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, and that's a great point because like from everything I've seen, you know, there is a willingness to, you know, if you're confronted with a choice to pay for something or have some ads and get something for free, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's a consumers from what I've seen, the research I've seen, you know, seem to be for the, willing to, 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 to consume the ads if they rather than pay anything. Um, but they're clearly really trying to actively avoid them. But is that even really possible given the, what, Laura, what you're saying with so many different touch points? Can they really, can they really avoid them? Is it really possible? Uh, that's a good question. So I think it, it comes down to, I mean, you have the consumers, as Buddy said, who are using two, three, four, you know, ad blocking um, mechanisms. They're clearing their cookies on a regular basis. But what I think the key takeaway is for marketers is they're telling you these ads aren't relevant for them. That should be a call to action to change what you're doing and make things more relevant for what you're trying to do in that channel. Mm. So if you're trying to engage people, you know, uh, thankfully we're not as much in the age of pop-ups anymore, but, you know, think about what would truly engage that person. How do you add personalization? How do you make it relevant to them? How do you give them a hand in controlling their ad experience? So they, you know, not only want to see that ad, but look forward to it in a sense, because they know that they're going to get something from it. And it feels like this whole, the issue of relevance has been something that's been around, you know, we consumers say, keep saying it and advertising continues to get better but maybe the bar is being is rising along the way and that consumers are just their expectations for engagement are um uh, are rising along the way yeah, i mean I does think, it go go oh i'm sorry i was going to say ironically <laughs> uh, i think um if if consumers were more willing to share their personal information and the things they were interested in uh they'd be served uh, more relevant ads and it may actually be easier for brands and advertisers to connect uh, with their audience um, and, and, and connect and provide content that they'd actually want and, mm. and would engage with. Mm-hmm. Our data shows that uh, among consumers that said that they saw an ad within the past seven days, 44% said that 
the it had uh, they had zero interest in that ad. So it's it's a problem within the industry for sure. He's uh, hitting us with the stats there. <laughs> uh, going off that, um, everybody, our, um, our research has just sort of shown actually a pretty sort of high willingness to engage with advertisers if given the option to sort of select topics or mm. sort of give input, you know, ban adverts you don't want uh, and sort of tell advertisers what you do want to be uh, shown because you, you're aware you're going to be shown ads at some point. So you mm. you have an incentive to want it to be relevant for you. And I think we have, we kind of think of consumers as fairly passive sometimes in this case, but uh, I think they're far more active or willing to be active in this area than, than we give them credit for. I, I couldn't agree more. And that's one of the big things that we're going to be tracking going into this year and something that we expect to see more of, especially with digital marketing. Um, there are, you know, many ways now where either the platform itself allows the consumers to control their experience. So something like Hulu, where it says, which ad experience would you like to enjoy while you're watching your program? Or I know that um, Buddy and I have talked a lot about younger consumers really being okay with giving up um, some of their personal and privacy, you know, privacy information if they, if they get something back in return. So zero party data where the consumer is, you know, volunteering or giving something away because what they get back is so much more relevant to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have, uh, not to hammer down the data some more, but in our upcoming <laughs> attitudes towards technology report, 43% uh, of consumers agree it's worth it to share their location for discounts on nearby stores and restaurants. And 35% say it's worth it to exchange their personal information for products tailored for them. Was that a plug, buddy? It's interesting, though. So it ties back. So if it's all about control and consumers want it being in control of what they're seeing, and then they feel that that's more relevant, and then they would engage with those ads. Does that get us? Does that get sort of then in compliance with the GDPR, GDPR part, Rebecca? Yeah, so that's kind of like a win-win. It certainly. You know, they do merge together as being sort of the future having to be much more about consent and control for consumers. So we're all aware of this sort of um, agreement we're in uh, with advertisers. Mm. And but what we don't want to do is be taken advantage of or to have things done against our will. So if we're involved in that journey with advertisers about telling us what we might enjoy, what we want to buy, uh, then it doesn't have to be about sort of quite so covert manipulation of taking our data and tracking us when we're not aware, you know, and then you can have a much more favorable feeling towards advertising. Mm. Um, mm. So it's about sort of, sort of giving, I guess, yeah, consumers a little bit more say on the whole thing, and then they'll feel more comfortable to give up data when they're in agreement to do it. And so, and it's, I'm sure it's about enjoyment too, right? I think, right? It's like we're entertainment. I mean, we had, um, I was reading yesterday, actually in Adweek, there was an article by the CEO of, uh, of Giphy and was talking about branded gifts and, so, and saying how, and uh, there was a good quote, it was something along the lines of, you know, consumers, you know, don't have a lot of, particularly a lot of patience for advertising, but they have, you know, as much time in the world when it comes to in entertainment and enjoyment. And that's where the whole sort of the giphy um, part comes in. Was, was, I was amazed at something like 500 million giffies, gifts rather, are exchanged <laughs> every day. There's another stat back at you there, buddy. Um, uh, 500 gifts exchange, million gifts exchanged every day. So that whole aspect of enjoyment uh, and entertainment, right? 
I think, well, I think it's been re- like our data showing really interesting that you know younger consumers are definitely more willing to say that they found an entertaining ent- ad, uh, a video advert entertaining enough not to skip, or that they uh, are happy with sort of influencers advertising products and having sponsored ads. If you know they find these things entertaining, they you know if you work hard and make something that um, uh, has has genuine entertainment value to it, people will. Uh, yeah, obviously they'll be much more receptive. That's always been the case. Uh, and but I think what's interesting there is that does suggest that those kind of adverts are being tailored towards younger demographics to be entertaining. And it's about, well, you've got to make sure you're making them entertaining for older audiences as well, rather than just being like, oh, get the younger viewers in as you know, advertisers are so likely sure. to do. Uh, anything else that brands can do? Um, I mean, I would say on uh, on top of that, you can have ads that are entertaining, but I think uh, especially within digital video, you need a, a, a wide variance of, of spots that you can serve to your audience. Uh, you know, our data also shows that consumers are annoyed by repeating ads on digital video services like Hulu um, and YouTube and things like that. So um, if you are going to... Uh, you know, and participate in digital video advertising, which you know, I say you should. Um, you should also have a varied, uh, lots of different spots, so that you're not, you know, hammering the same same commercial over and over again to your consumers, which could potentially turn them off. Yeah, and I, I think you know to build on both what Rebecca and Buddy said, I think it comes down to you know we talked about consumers are very conscious that they're being served ads and entertainment seems to work, but I think then what that means really across channels is it has to feel organic. We want consumers to feel like they're involved in and uh, participating in this discourse. So you know if it's a streaming service, understanding that someone's sitting there watching six episodes in a row and they don't want to see your commercial fifty times, like think about how you can build that and mm. actually have them look forward to the commercial breaks because they're going to see something new or on social media, finding a way, you know, Andrew, whether it's with gifts or, um, you know, with a brand personality to put the consumer in the driver's seat and help uh, drive some of that discourse on social channels or with ephemeral marketing on um, Instagram where it feels just very, very organic. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mean, it's fascinating. And I think, so let's pivot a little bit then and let's say, well, okay, so we've explored these issues of engagement. Um, and there, it's tougher now than ever before, but there are definitely some ways that, that, that you know, there's some, some, some roadmaps to getting there. Um, what about 2020? Uh, so what are the things to, to watch for as we're now coming into the next, you know, over the next sort of 12 to, to 18 months? It's a great question. So the big one of the biggest things that we've talked about is you will start to see brands have a discrete streaming strategy. So understanding, as we just talked about, that when consumers are um, consuming content on whether it's streaming audio or video, that they engage with that content differently than they do radio or linear TV. So how do you think about building a strategy for that the same way that you would in social media? I think, uh, you know, from some of our reporting we've seen, we talked about ad blockers, but we know that only one in 10 consumers is willing to pay more for that ad-free experience. So how do you take advantage of that and say, okay, the consumer is willing to see ads on this platform. What can I really do? So that's definitely a big thing to look out for this year. Uh, I would also point to... uh voice and search being such a you know an important trend uh going forward and that utterly changed the game for how advertisers uh are reaching 
people and obviously you know versus a screen search on voice is you know how many options you're going to hear uh how do you get to the top of those mentions uh are people willing to hear adverts um you know and just in in general engaging audio adverts in uh and and how do you um create them in a way that people will Mm. maybe even voluntarily engage with them or listen to them um so you know that voice search is something that advertisers are going to have to contend with and just to build on that you know i'm very interested to see how the implications of voice search on paid search advertising because those are going to be two very different if consumers transition more towards using voice assistance for searching for things um paid advert Paid, uh, paid search is the largest segment in digital advertising today. So the implications in that, uh, in, the, in terms of revenue, could be, um, could be pretty dramatic. Mm. And, and as it relates to search, so I know this is a digital podcast. Don't hate me for pulling it back into the real world. But we think that <laughs> what will be interesting also is looking at the inverse. So there's so much data and so much knowledge now of engagement and things that work that I think we're going to see a lot of digital first or e-commerce brands using that data to inform their brick and mortar presence. So mm. a great example is someone like Warby Parker that took all of their you know digital engagement consumption data and purchase data to inform where they would play their stores. So I think we're going to see a lot of that. And then also seeing uh, the storefront really supporting and um, being linked with that top of funnel experience with search. So consumers, you know, doing that cross device behavior where they're on their phone in a store, they're using the store for research before they go and ultimately purchase online. Interesting. So um, do you, I was going to say, do you, have a, do you have a favorite digital ad campaign that's running at the moment that might encapsulate mm-hmm. kind of what we're talking about today? Warby Parker, you mentioned. Anybody got some, anyone got any others? I would say I'm a big fan of this, the recent pause advertising that Hulu's uh, put into their um, platform, which is basically just a very unobtrusive uh, advertisement that only shows up after you paused uh, a program. And um, so Charmin was one of the first advertisers within this uh, within, within this program. Usually, and, and there's a lot of synergy there. You know, you think oh, I gotta go to the bathroom, I'm gonna pause it. Um, it doesn't it doesn't show up right away, and then you come back to your screen, and there's a nice Charmin ad uh, waiting for you, and and it goes away when you click play. And so it's it's unobtrusive, um, and it and it makes sense, I think, and it's win win for advertisers and the consumers. Uh, one I was thinking of, uh, based on uh, so what Laura was talking about earlier, was um, the Greg's uh, sort of advertising campaign, social media sort of advertising work. If uh, I don't know if American audiences uh, will know of, of Greg's, but uh, there are. So, they, yeah, tell, they, tell us what Greg's is. Actually, before you do that, <laughs> buddy, for our global audience, tell us what Charmin is. Oh, it's a uh, toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting pick. interesting pick for the podcast. All right, and so tell us about Greg's. So uh, Greg's is a, a very popular UK bakery and they released uh, the vegan sausage roll uh, and that created a lot of controversy on social media, slightly uh, sort of started by some uh, pundits, uh, UK pundits, uh, and they responded just brilliantly in terms of 
getting into that sort of slight culture war area just to make sure you were trending, make sure you were everywhere, make sure now people are attaching sort of a sort of cultural value to the vegan sausage roll. And it's been sensationally successful. It's about, oh. you know, as Laura's saying, about getting organically in that conversation uh, and having fun with it as well on social media. I also really loved uh, Hotels.com, Romance Isn't Dead. So they had the full omni-channel mix, but then I really enjoyed what they did on Hulu because they considered every type of ad viewing experience that you could have on that platform. So they were staggering to show different creative during the breaks, but they also partnered with a new program that came out, a mini series, Four Weddings and a Funeral, and they actually integrated Hotels.com into the show where they sponsored one of the weddings. Captain Obvious was uh, the spokesperson for Hotels.com, was the DJ. Uh, They mentioned Hotels.com and their vows, and then they tied that to a real social media campaign where if any any couples wanted to mention Hotels.com their vows, they would pay for your honeymoon. So just really (laughs) considering, hey, we're going to hit the people who have the ad-free experience. We're going to make the ad viewing experience for people who have that freemium version more enjoyable. It was just really comprehensive. Yeah. And I was going to, as I was listening to your speaking, I was going to throw one in for myself. And that was that because I mentioned GIFs and that was the uh, Discover in the US had an ad for their new debit card. And they used a Facebook ad uh, where they used one of these very popular GIFs of an owl switching it, turning its head around. And and anyway, it it resonated with me. (laughs) And all of these, what's interesting, all of these examples that we've said, that you've said, are, I guess, it's not that then they're, they're not native ads, but they're sort of integrated into consumers uh, entertainment. Is that where am I try to help me kind of um, yeah, articulate it? They're integrated into the entertainment, but I think they're also poking a little bit of fun at themselves. They're saying, Hey, yeah. here we are, this is an ad and we know you have to watch something. So we're going to poke fun at ourselves a little bit as advertisers and get involved in the discourse or, you know, make a joke about pausing and going to the bathroom, whatever the case may be. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So, tip for advertisers, make fun of yourselves. (laughs) Be funny. Be funny. Be funny. All right. Well, brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes or any other platform you get your podcast from. We've just launched recently, so spread the word, and we'll catch you next week for a new episode of Little Conversation. Thank you very much, Buddy. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, If you want to know more about Mintel, who we are and what we do, head over to mintel.com and follow us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and check out our blog for even more insights from our analysts. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew.